I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels. Hey guys, it's Kat. And on this episode, it's just Kat and Noah, but we have a really exciting guest. It's Lauren, aka Glamour Possum. You can find her on TikTok and Instagram under that same name. She is one of my favorite follows <laughs> online, as she's always posting very interesting content from the spooky to everything she's doing in the creative space. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Oh my gosh, I love like just your entire setup and vibe. My lair. <laughs> yes, I, that, yep, that feels right. I remember finding your stuff and you had posts specifically about the occult. And I was like, yeah, I feel like this is the vibe that our people are looking for, like everything you have going on. Yeah, I, I started a lot of my social media, um, especially the stuff that I started during the pandemic. Um, I was on Witch Talk a lot on TikTok. And I've migrated away from it a little bit, but that's like where I started and I still have a lot of friends in that space and living in Salem, you know, you, you have a lot of people who are, you know, everyday practitioners, whether they're, you know, in the grocery store or like leading a circle. Um, so it's, it's definitely an interesting space to be in. Okay. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I am curious since you're saying there are practitioners of witchcraft in Salem, which of course that makes sense. Do you feel like most of those people are from there originally, or are they drawn to Salem because of what they believe in or enjoy? I think 
Salem, I think Salem kind of finds you in a way, if you're interested in that sort of thing at all. And it's interesting hearing people's stories of where they were before or where they were from originally. And then you get into like family history stuff and there are people who I think are drawn to the more kind of camp side of it. Like every day is Halloween. We start Halloween in like mid-August um, and sometimes it goes until December. And then there are people who have been, you know, practitioners for years. We have a lot of established covens in Salem, um, you know, people who've been leading them for like 40 years. And then we also have, um, we have a, a satanic temple now that's only a couple years old and it's become like, it's an actual active temple, but also it's like a photo op and you can go and you can sit on Baphomet's lap and get your picture taken. Oh you can get married there. Like oh. everywhere in Salem is a photo op. Like everywhere is like selfie prepared at all times. I think there's like a mix of people who take it very, very seriously. And then there's a mix of people that like lean into the aesthetic of it and have a lot of fun with it. My Kat, have, have you and JJ set where you're going to get married yet? Sounds like the satanic temple <laughs> may be available. Wouldn't be the worst. Um, we have set where we, um, oh. yeah, I think I would be disowned in all levels, but I am curious about what, what would you call it? The, the satanic um, temple. Like, the temple? satanic temple. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like, there's Satanists that use it ironically. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's actual like people at the satanic temple that believe in worship Satan. Would you say? I think that like, there's a couple different, there's different kind of sects of Satanism. And I'm, I've never been a practitioner of that, but I've, I know a lot of people who I used to, I, I studied Thelema a lot, which is not the same, but it's like an adjacent practice. And there are people that use um, Satanism as like a political movement. There are people that, you know, there was a couple years ago when they had the 10 commandments statue put up and I think it was Iowa. They were like, well, why can't we have a statue of Baphomet? If it's all about, you know, it's, it's things like freedom of speech and the first amendment and then um, you know, reproductive rights and things like that. But then there are people, who it's more like you don't directly worship satan it's just that you don't like worship god and i'm sure there are people out there who could explain it way more in depth than i can yeah. but just from like having conversations with people at parties that's what i've been able to surmise your yeah. parties are much more fun than the ones i go to they're eclectic you know yeah. you get a couple of drinks and people and it's those like deep drunk conversations where like it's about life and death in the universe and no one remembers what you talked about Right. It's so fascinating because I feel like I'm constantly deconstructing like old stuff from youth groups and church and like all this. I mean, in my head, it was trauma, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not that for everybody, but like I'm triggered by so many different things. One of them being the word atheist, because I was never taught like what it really meant, just that it was like evil and all this stuff. Um, and so it makes a point now I talk, you know, with friends and with JJ about it, how like you know, we really enjoyed the community of like a youth group growing up. You get to do all these things, meet all these people. It's after school, it's middle school through high school, yada, yada. But there's not really anything like that. That's not like secular until JJ was like, no, there's like the Satanists will do it. I mean, oh, as, yeah. as a joke, you know, ironically with the name, some more than others, but like their kids, they're, you know, they, they go and have small groups and all this stuff, but they talk about like how to be a human and like, how to be nice to people and respect all types of cultures and religions. And I love that, but I cannot imagine being like, Hey mom or extended family. We're taking our kids to the Satanist youth group, which like, I don't know. I'd do it if it was available. <laughs> I mean, I know that there was a sect in Philly that had after school programs 
And yeah. it's basically just like a place for kids to go after school. Cause like, if you're in an inner city, sometimes, you know, mom and dad are working or there's only one parent. And it was like less about the actual practice of Satanism and more about like, let's have a bunch of kids have a place where they can go and talk about like being kids and being kids from different like walks of life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's really interesting. Well, Lauren, I am curious. We do like to find out where our guests fall on what we have coined as the believometer. Zero meaning you don't believe in ghosts at all, and ten ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? I'm going to say a nine. Okay. Because I do believe I've had experiences that have been very real, but I also think that the concept of like ghosts and spirits and life after death is a lot more abstract than human beings like to think because sure. then you start thinking about a lot of different stuff and it can be uncomfortable to have that conversation with yourself so i think how we look at ghosts is not the entire truth but i don't think we know as much yeah. as maybe we'll know in like a hundred years right well so do you consider yourself a witch um, I say I'm a witch. Okay. I say I'm a, I'm a solo practitioner. I don't belong to any, I don't belong to any covens. I don't belong to any, you know, I don't belong to any organized practices. I've always considered myself like a floater. Like mm -hmm. I'll float back and forth and kind of see what works or see what pops out to me and I'll integrate it into a practice of mine. Um, and all of that ties back into like feeling balanced and feeling connected to like, in my case, I'm a cisgender woman. So what does that mean to me in a spiritual practice? We've been waiting a while to have somebody on who considers himself a witch who practices and can kind of walk us down that road. Because I don't think Kat, you and I, I don't think we really have anybody in our life who would consider themselves that. And I don't think we've really had very many people on the podcast who have fully said that they are that. I think there are people who consider themselves like with quotes around it, witchy, you know, or whatever. And yeah. uh, which is cool. I mean, that's fine. So I, I want to know what that word means to you. Are you, and it, and I don't want this to sound hokey. Just take it as somebody who has no idea what they're talking about and just sure. wants to explore the topic with the audience. So do you cast spells? Are there things that, that you create that makes you feel a certain way? Like, what are the benefits of living in that world to you? Well, to me, having researched a lot of because i i'm a huge nerd i love art history and i love religious history as well um and kind of seeing how all of these things are interconnected and um i really like i like the ritual of witchcraft for me which can be just like having altars in different parts of my house and if i see something like a coin or a shell or things that i think a certain deity would like because i do i do deity worship and i work with different things um, I like the ritual of that's very personal. It doesn't have to be this huge thing with like a bunch of people in robes. Um, and having my dad is is uh, Roman Catholic. So I grew up going to family, you know, visit his family in the Midwest and you go to mass and there's the receiving of, you know, the body of Christ and there's the call to and the singing. And I really like that. I don't like other tenets of the Catholic church, um, but there was like, there was music and there was poetry and there was a sense of community and you're communicating with something higher than yourself. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I started to look into, well, you know, as, as a woman in the Catholic church, I, I don't really have a lot of power. And then also having friends who were part of the LGBTQ community, 
they couldn't have power in the Catholic church. So I was like, what does a practice look like that integrates ritual and, you know, call to and song and other things? And the answer was like a lot of pagan practices and a lot of paganism runs throughout Roman Catholicism and Catholicism in general. And you see that in areas of the world that practice Catholicism, it's all different. You know, um, a lot of African cultures integrate you know, old gods before, you know, colonization. And then you have a lot of symbolism in like South American and Central American culture. You have the different colors and you have the different symbolism of the areas that kind of call back to gods that they would have worshipped. And then you have things like Haitian voodoo, which is, you know, Western African gods combined with Catholicism. And it's all different, even though they all are Catholic. Hmm. So my, yeah. So my basis for like my practice started in Catholicism, like Irish Catholicism. Um, and then as I was getting older and I grew up in a very rural part of Pennsylvania where everybody went to the same church, except for my family. Um, my parents didn't raise me in any organized religion, but they encouraged me to like learn about different things. And I went to a Quaker school. So Quakers are very much, you know, everybody is equal and you have an inner light and you live simply and you kind of you know, you, you meditate, you go to meeting for worship and you sit in silence. And when the spirit calls you, you stand up and say something to the congregation. There's no Mm -hmm. priest, there's no pastor, there's not a monk. Um, and so it's again, that call to, and that sense of community that I really liked. And they were very encouraging of like, there were kids who went to the school who were Jewish, who were Muslim, whose parents were immigrants. Um, you know, and you learn about everyone's practice and then moving to an area that was very predominantly white and everybody went to the same church and did shit like cotillion, um, which is very archaic. Um, and my mom having come from the South was like, I don't want my kid, you know, as part of that. Meanwhile, my parents forced me to do cotillion. (laughs) Oh my, so my mom was absolutely like, she was like, listen, I can teach you what fork to use and you're going to go and feel awkward. And all the boys will be too short because of course they will be, you're in sixth grade. Um, And also, you know, it it was just, it's a very small community in Pennsylvania. I won't say where it is, um, but like every, all all the mothers dress like their daughters and the dads are like all in their second wives and they all have boats. And my dad was, you know, kind of like James Harriet. My dad's a veterinarian. So we were a little bit more like, I guess, bumpkin-like. We have a friend who is from a very small town in Pennsylvania who is Quaker and just the most wonderful person ever. Also, I'm really sad JJ is missing this episode because it's right up his alley. He did Quaker volunteer service and like it loves talking about it and paganism and just everything. So yeah, the small town in Pennsylvania and friend and this relates hard for from a for a friend of uh, of ours. It's I wonder if you guys all know each other. Is that a thing? I would be not that surprised because there's like, I feel like Pennsylvania, they call it Pennsylvania for a reason because you have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and then everything else in between is Kentucky. Um, You know, I didn't go to church as a child. I was not, did not take communion, which was a big thing because my mom was like, okay, so the day of communion, she's like, so you can do a book report about a saint that you don't know anything about um, or you can go on the field trip to Gettysburg. And me being the little dork I was, I was like, I'm going to go Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was way cooler than, and you know, all the girls were like, I get a party. I have a white dress. And my mom was like, I don't want my sixth grader going into a church dressed in white and committing herself to a male God. And even my dad was like, yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's kind of creepy. It's a little weird. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now I know you've had supernatural experiences and you 
you know, or a practitioner of a solo practitioner of witchcraft on your scale of nine, what has had more of an influence on you of being a believer? Has it been your supernatural experiences or has it been everything you've learned through being a witch? I would say the paranormal experiences, because those are the things that have made me seek out reasons, because I think the first reaction you have to something that you can't explain is I, I have to figure out what this is. Like mm -hmm. there is, there is a logical reason for what I saw, what I felt, what I have experienced. And when you can't explain it logically, you start to look at other avenues. And then through that, you start finding things that just make sense to you and you, you honor that. And hey, Kat, that's, that was a good segue, right? Cause now we're going to segue into her stories. That's better than <laughs> me doing a pun or something where that was I a can, great segue. Yeah. I, like, Actually, wait, is this podcast about ghosts? <laughs> I, was, I know, I was like, it is called Real Hauntings. So with that, I mean, with the supernatural impacting you, can you tell us about some of the experiences that you've had? Oh, yeah. Um, I was actually just kind of at work today thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And I have I have some ones that have been pretty, pretty impactful. Um, I think the one I would want to talk about the most is the chair, because if you go on my TikTok, that is the most popular video that I've ever made. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I've made a couple, but I, it was a response video to a paranormal channel being like, what's the, the most, I think it was like the most real paranormal experience or the, the, the scariest thing that's ever happened to you. Um, so I have a haunted armchair and it comes with an ottoman. So it's a very nice chair. Nice. Um, <laughs> So, so the myth behind the chair is it's actually my mom's. She bought it in California when she was in college and she reupholstered it herself. Mm -hmm. And it's this beautiful white fabric. It's very nice. And when I was in college, my first year as a freshman, um, I went to college in Philadelphia and I didn't like living in the dorms. And I presented my dad with an Excel spreadsheet about why it would be cheaper to get me a studio apartment than it would be to pay the dorm fee and keep me on the meal plan for the college. And my dad was like, I can't argue with the statistics. So I moved into a old building um, in the neighborhood that was by campus. And a lot of people that went to Jefferson Hospital um, who were nurses there lived there. A lot of other students lived there. So it was kind of like being in a dorm and having more independence. And the chair ended up there because it had been in storage. And my mom was like, oh, this would be nice. You know, you need somewhere to sit and you can, you know, sit on your laptop and you can read, put it by the window. Um, so I moved there sophomore year and I started dating a guy who I thought was perfect. Um, and we were together for about three years in college. Let's call him Preston. Um, so he was like everything I ever thought I wanted. He came from a really good family on the main line, um, which is a very expensive part of Pennsylvania. And he was tall and good looking. My mom said he looked like young Albert Finney. You know, like he was like, it's just everything that at 21, you're like, this is the man I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I see no problems whatsoever. Is that um, Jennifer Blitz? Do you oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was impressive. That was nice. I am I am a cabinet of voices. Um, but so we started seeing each other and it was bad because he had a girlfriend and, uh, you know, she was actually a really nice person and we became friends later, but he was basically like, I just can't not see you and not spend time with you. And as somebody who had some not great relationships as a teenager, I was like, oh my God, I'm so desirable. He can't stay away from me. 
this is a great start to a healthy relationship. So the chair is in the apartment. He's staying with me a lot in the apartment. He's eating my food and, you know, kind of living in my house, essentially. And he was seeing other people. We would have these really horrible fights because I would stand up for myself. And then he would be like, no, no, no. Actually, what's going on is. Oh, boy. So one night we had this really horrible fight. We were we both drank way too much um, for two people that were going to liberal arts school or we drank the right amount. And I we both fall asleep. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I look over because the way that my bed faced, it faced the window. So the light would come in and then the chair was like in the corner and I wake up and I'm like, why is he sitting in the chair? Like, is he up? Like, is he just like having a moment? And I roll over and I realize that he's still laying next to me. Hmm. So there is a third person in my apartment. And my immediate thing was someone has broken into my apartment is watching me sleep. (gasps) And I sit up. And my eyes kind of adjust and I stared right at him and he was sitting on the ottoman and he had his hands on his knees. And it was this little man in like, he must've like, he was in a three piece suit. I remember it so distinctly. It was like a tweed jacket with matching pants and a green vest. And he had a soft cap on and he was like in his mid fifties and he was just sitting there watching me. And I didn't feel Cause I felt I've been in places where you feel kind of a sense of like, I shouldn't be here or like something's in the room and it doesn't want you there. And I just got this feeling of like overwhelming sadness, like just like a broken hearted person. And I, I sat there and I just stared at him and he looked back at me and I just like rolled over and went back to bed. And then I woke up the next morning and like Preston wakes up and he's like, Hey, I know we fought last night. I'm really sorry about it. I'm like, yeah, no, we fought. That was all that happened last night. I didn't wake up and see a stranger in my room. This look with the vest and the sock cap and everything, did it feel like 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 vintage? Like he was from the 20s or 50s or something? It, like it felt like it kind of like it it felt like it did it felt like he was from the 50s. It was very like British 50s kind of post-war, like it wasn't like he wasn't dressed nicely. It was very much like mm. working middle class and he was kind of stout. And he just like, it was just so clear and I can still see it's now I'm talking about it. I'm like thinking about how, what his face looked like. And I didn't tell anybody. And as our relationship progressed, I realized that there were some things about Preston. He did not tell me. Um, There were some mental health diagnoses that if you're dating somebody, you should probably tell them. I'm a hundred percent about like honesty about that. Like you need to tell somebody and he had not told me and he dropped that on me. Um, And that started to make more sense because the more time we started spending in my apartment, he would start getting really agitated. And he would like, it would be fine for a while. And then he would be really mean to me and he wouldn't come and spend the night with me. And he would make me feel like I'd done something wrong. And it was just, it was super toxic. And he had this friend who was a woman who he'd known for years and she was a whole mess on her own. If you want to get into abusing witchcraft, um, she, she had one time she showed me, she had a Mason jar that she kept a dead rat in and her girlfriend's hair, like her ex-girlfriend's hair. Oh yeah. And I'm like, that's not a red flag. Um, but God, that's how you and JJ met, right? Yeah, we were collecting hair and rats together. <laughs> I tell that story to people and they're like, wait a minute, what? Um, that is, biz- people are, there are some bizarre people. That's probably going to be the title of this episode. Dead rats and hair in a jar. Yeah. 
That would make me click. <laughs> she showed it to me. I like, I don't know what she was expecting because she knew I was kind of into the occult and into witchcraft. And like, she showed this to me being like, look, I do this too. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is, but that's not okay. Sure. Fine. But all the crosses are upside down in her house. Oh my, and, Yeah, I know. Right. And all the knives are like stabbed into the, into yeah. the countertop. The chairs are stacked on top of each other. Yeah. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And like, obviously, I think I was like 21 and I was like, wow, this girl is like, I also have to mention that like, I don't think that she would have gotten away with half the stuff she did if she hadn't been ridiculously hot. She was a runway model. Um, so everybody was like, wow, she's just, she's like Megan Fox, dangerous hot. <laughs> it's always the runway models. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. I, just I don't said- know. I was going to let you have that one. I don't know. <laughs> so you both were just like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's not sorry to all the runway models that listen to this. Yeah. These are the people that I was letting into my life in college, thinking that this was going to be a good idea. I had a party in my studio apartment, which could only fit like a certain amount of people. And there were too many people in there that night. And she just comes up to me and she's really agitated. And she's like, I don't know what's in here, but it's not good. I don't feel welcome in this space. Like this Mm. is, there's just something here and I don't like it. And it doesn't like me. And I just, I can't be in here. I cannot be in here, Lauren. This is, it's just bad. And, and you had never stormed. told her about the no, no, I'd never told anybody about it. And she just she storms out, and Preston's like, "What did you say to her?" <laughs> of course, I'm like he didn't say anything. 
It's your fault in this situation now. Yeah, but like- Not really. No. And then I saw him again. The guy- I woke up and it was always after he and I would have a fight. I woke up and it was like everybody had left and my apartment was a mess. There were like bottles on the floor. Everything smelled like cigarettes. And I was like, I'm gonna have to wake up and clean all this up tomorrow because he's not gonna help me. And I wake up. And my kitchenette had a wall in between, like my like the kitchen and the bedroom. And he was standing halfway in the kitchen and halfway in the in the bedroom. Got out of bed. Preston's passed out. I got out of bed and I was like in a huge t-shirt that I slept in. I'm just standing there. And he's still he never spoke, but he would always just stand there and stare at me. Why? But I never felt like I was in danger. And that was the thing. Like when you as a woman, you wake up and there's a strange man in your apartment. Your first response is to like scream or throw hands. And I just, I would just stand there and stare back at him. Was he in the same outfit? And yeah, it was always the same outfit. It was always the three piece suit with soft cap. And he just would stand there and look at me. Was it always, um, did you always see him from your bed or did you ever see him from any other spot in the home? I saw him in the mirror one time in my bathroom. Oh my gosh. And like Donnie Darko style. Oh yeah. No, he was right behind me. And I just, but he would always appear after like a really bad fight had happened or, you know, it, it was just, and I would sense him, but I wouldn't see him. Like I would get this feeling sometimes that there was either somebody like on, like in the bathroom when I was in the kitchen or I was in the kitchen and I would come around the corner expecting to see someone and then nobody would be there. I know I'm making you look around right now. Like, I'm like, I mean, I can see it basically everything behind me. I was going to say, you'd know in the screen if somebody was like behind you. But the second I we talk about stuff like this, I literally like clench and I'm like, I know it makes you like feeling something behind me. I don't know. Is there somebody in the bathroom behind me? I don't know. Did you ever tell Preston about it or the the rat jar lady? I I didn't because I realized that there was some stuff going on between them that Mm. I was not privy to. Mm. Um and I went a semester, I went for a semester abroad. I went to London. And the minute that basically the minute I got off the plane, he moved in with her. She so got an apartment. Sounds like he had some like codependence. He started going so. to the same school that we both went to mm. um, because I wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And he just traded in one for the other. And he told me all this stuff. He was like, I want to move to California with you. I want to go to UCLA and like, I want to study politics and I just want to change the world. And I want to do it with you and like all that crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came back from, England and I had had a really strong conversation with myself about like where I wanted my future to go and I was starting to realize it was not going to be with this person yeah um and the last night that we ever actually had a real fight it got I don't I don't know I trigger warning whatever it got physical um he bounced my head against the wall like a basketball and was like looking down at me and he was like, you can't do this to me. Like, you can't, like, you cannot abandon me. You know that I'm sick. You know that I need someone to take care of me. And then he stopped. And I I honestly thought that he was just going to knock my lights out. And he stops, looks straight forward and goes, I have to go. I have to go. I have to get out of here. Grabs his coat, leaves. And I'm sitting on the floor, like thinking, like, what the hell just happened? And that was the night that I ended up seeing him in the mirror behind me because I sat on the floor for about an hour just being like, did I just like ruin my own life? Is anybody ever going to love me again? Am I ever going to like come back from this? I isolated myself from almost everybody in our school um, because he had a lot of issues and he fought with everybody. Um, I'm so sorry. I, 
for all that. You didn't, you yeah. deserve better. No, I didn't, but I was taking my makeup off and like I had one of those mirrors that opens into the medicine cabinet. So I had to stand on the side of my sink and I like, I did the thing in movies where you come up from the sink and he was there and I didn't feel that like overwhelming sadness anymore. I just felt like, I felt like there was just always somebody behind me in like a comforting way. Like Mm -hmm. not somebody being like, I'm going to come up behind you and like do something horrible. But it was that feeling of like, if you fall backwards, I'm going to give you ballast and push you forward. I absolutely believe that things would have been a lot worse if that presence had not been in the apartment. Mm -hmm. Because I think that sometimes I never asked him, I wonder if he was seeing things that I wasn't. I wonder if we were seeing the same thing. And I've, I've asked, I told my mom about this years later and she was like, I wish you would have told me and blah, blah, blah. Um, But she was like, you know, I, she thinks that it's like a familial spirit. It's something that is like ancestral. Um, But she was like, you know, I wonder if you were seeing some little old man who was totally harmless, if he was seeing something that was trying to scare him away. Mm. Or maybe it was the same little old man, but he was being scary. He was like, hey, back out, like get away. That's crazy. And the whole time Preston was probably, you know, attributing it to whatever he had going on. Um, Well, he was, yeah, that was like... Again, when you're not thinking clearly, you're not going to go for the most logical explanation. You're going to go for like the worst of the worst. But did you hear from him again, Preston? We tried a couple times to like communicate about stuff. We had to go to our senior showcase together. Um, But like I I cut off all contact with him just because I I knew that if I kept letting him back into my life, there was going to come a point where I couldn't get him out of it. And everybody around me was like the few friends that I had kept through the relationship were like, we are going to make sure that you don't have anything to do with him again. Um, his, his responses are not your responsibility. That is all him. I'm no. so sorry. I had to go through all that. And it took me a really long time to realize that. And like that kind of, you know, I, I still have the chair it's up in my office and like I don't feel that like, I don't feel the presence anymore just because I think my, my working theory is because I'm not in like a dangerous situation. I don't need that like force around me. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the deities that I work with back into a little bit of witchcraft stuff is uh, Angus Oak and he's the Celtic God of love and music. And he's all about like positive masculinity. And I realize in a lot of my relationships, I did not have that. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. I have that new presence as opposed to the one that was like, I needed somebody to step up and make sure I was okay. Kat, I don't know about you, but as soon as Lauren said that name and described it, I just saw it haggard, like dancing. Um, it's, <laughs> it's because, haggard? Well, how you, haggard? Yeah. Haggard? Oh, well, you know, I'm from the deep South, so words come out funny sometimes. <laughs> I've literally never heard anybody say haggard. I feel like we're getting off topic. Uh, okay. So about yeah, ghosts. Talk about this longer. <laughs> My goodness. But I do, I do like the name Angus Oak. I thought at first you were saying this is a friend of yours. And I was like, of course, that's their name. Like, <laughs> if Angus. I don't know, just like with witchcraft and everything. But that'd be cool if you searched a picture of Angus Oak and it was like a little man with the three no, he's actually like, he's big, sexy. He's kind of a himbo. Um, oh, yeah. He's always portrayed as like, he has like swans around him and like a liar and like, 
Oh yeah, I'm Googling them. There's like a two-headed raven or something. No, maybe that's just two ravens. Anyways, no, he's not the ra- the ravens are cool, but like he's he's hot. Yeah, yeah, he's always supposed to be like very sexy, and he walks around like playing music and is followed by birds, like a male Disney princess. It's oh amazing. He looks like one of our friends, actually. Lauren, one thing I would love for you to do because of what you have done with your work and your studies. Is there something you could tell our audience that would be easy for them to do like right now to feel some of the embrace of witchcraft? Like, is there an affirmation or a deity that they can try to talk to or anything of that nature? Or is it something that they really need to surround themselves with before they can uh, feel the effects of witchcraft? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I think one of the key tenets of witchcraft, at least for me in my practice, is accepting that there is always something around you, but that doesn't have to be something that's scary. You know, it can be like there's something always around you and it's always watching and that can be intimidating. But it's it's accepting the fact that there is stuff that maybe is trying to reach out to you and you need to have a conversation with yourself about what is the difference between accepting things that are positive, that want to enter your life and being too open and allowing stuff that can be negative to kind of weasel its way in. And maybe it's disguised as something else because I think a lot of times people are really, they're really enclosed in themselves. And I think with technology sometimes and stuff like that, and especially with the pandemic, we're closed off to a lot of stuff. And we have come so far in certain aspects, but we're very blocked off in others. And I think spirituality is one of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's really being able to like step back from all the modern stuff and say like, what worked, you know, 500 years ago when you were lost or you felt a certain way? And is there something that I can clear my mind enough to allow in? Hmm. Is there a book that people can go to if they're really interested in the subject? I started with witchcraft for dummies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true story. Um, There's, there's just, there's so much information and that's like, that's a blessing, but it's also a curse Sure. because anybody can post about something. Anybody yeah. can share. If something. you highlight everything, you learn nothing kind of. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would, I, I always suggest looking into mythology first, because as somebody who does deity practices, that was where I started. Um, and looking at mythology that maybe is part of your heritage, but also not part of your heritage. I think that, um, It also depends. There's just so many different offshoots from things. Like, I think people assume that all witchcraft now is like modern Wicca, but it's not. Mm. Um, there's and there's so many offshoots of Wicca. There's there's Wicca. There's modern paganism. There's Celtic paganism. There's Norse. There's, you know, there's there's Odun and Santeria and a lot of other stuff. But it's really just like asking yourself, okay, what do I want to focus on? Like, so mythology is that is Medusa mythology or is that? Yes. Uh, okay. That's, yeah. I don't know why, but that's my favorite character. I don't know what I call her, but I, I've always been to the point where like, I've been trying to figure out what I want my next tattoo to be. And I kind of landed on something, but the, the close second, I found a whole range of Medusa tattoos that I really, really liked, but I haven't, I don't think I have the, uh, 
gumption to put a Medusa on my body, but I don't know why I've always been super drawn to Medusa. Well, Medusa can like, I think that she's been reclaimed in a lot of ways in the last, like in the last 20 years, because it used to be that she was just this monster and she was this terrible, you know, thing that was created. And she's, you know, part of the Gorgons who are this like group of female monsters. And my experience with Medusa, because I have a friend who has a Medusa head tattoo. Um, she's kind of been reclaimed by people who are survivors of sexual assault because in the myth, she is assaulted by Poseidon and she goes to Athena and in some myths, Athena's angered by the assault and she curses her to be ugly and turn people to stone. But in other myths, she gifts her the ability to turn people to stone. So she never has to be in contact with a man again. Right. Because she only turns men to stone. That's badass. I'm reading a book right now called Circe, which is like- I love Circe. Oh my God, it's such an incredible book. Oh my God. Amazing. And she's like, I mean, that sounds very familiar with her having to just like, she wasn't gifted, you know, any of her powers or anything, but she has to learn to protect herself from, you know, on her own because she gets banned to this island and all this stuff. Oh, I hope that wasn't a spoiler for anybody. Anyways. But also uh, it's part of the myth. Like if you read the Odyssey, like she lives on an island and turns people into pigs. Like that's- but she's such a badass. And so is she, Medusa. I need yeah. To, I wonder if there's a Medusa book out there. Cersei is so good. Anybody out there listening. Everyone read it, please. By Madeline Miller. Like I, I want her to make tons and tons of other books and stories about all of mythology. She's doing a Persephone one next. Her next book is Persephone. So excited. I just yeah. feel like I'm so basic that because I identify as a Slytherin, that's probably why I'm drawn to Medusa. I, as a fellow Slytherin, I completely understand. I keep getting drawn to these Slytherins. I don't know what's going on, especially in our comedy community, Kat. Like, there's so many improvisers I meet that they're like, you're a Slytherin too, right? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Whereas like every other walk of my life, people are like, not about that life. (laughs) They like think it's an insult. And I'm like, no, it's it's, it's not. Yeah. Like they got a bad rap in the book. And then people were like, the book is the only place they exist. <laughs> like <laughs> in your world, not mine. They're yeah. just more willing to skirt the rules and like publicly skirt the rules. Yeah. I just feel like yeah. had Harry dated a Slytherin, it would have been a totally different look on the Slytherins. But, you know, people can. Speaking of Harry it. Potter, is anyone seeing fantastic beasts of the I, I keep calling it the secret life of Dumbledore even though it's like Dumbledore secrets that sounds like a teen drama yeah. I know <laughs> I will oh, see it I probably will not see it in the theater so I'll probably wait till I can watch it at home I will probably also wait yeah become friends with Brittany Crabb uh she got to you know go to the whole red carpet event um in london for that they, wb flew her down and so i was like well we got to get her back on so she can tell us about that but that's the hard part with like having a ghost podcast when it doesn't is that i'm like well now i gotta find a, a, a ghost reason to to then segue into tell me about all the famous people but How actually were they? can you just tell us yeah. about the Harry Potter premiere? <laughs> yeah i have ulterior motives yeah always uh, as a slytherin um well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on and sharing those stories. I do want to get into a little bit more. I know we're getting close up to on our hour, but one thing I love about your content as a fellow creative who um, has dabbled in acting, does more comedy and obviously podcasting than anything else. But I know that you had you ha- you act, you're an actor. Um, and I've seen some stuff on your page about, oh gosh, now it's, it's slipping my mind, but 
you were involved in a project and HBO picked it up. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, no, um, I didn't. Uh, that was that was a manifesting joke thing. Oh, basically, okay. well, over well, my head. What happened is I, I started doing a series in Halloween thinking it was not going to be anything. Um, I thought it was just going to be like a silly thing for for October. And I have now created this behemoth, uh, which is two seasons. And it's a historical paranormal fiction series. It's called The Wonderful Lady B. And people started tagging HBO in my comments and Netflix in my comments and Hulu in my comments. Um, mm -hmm. And I started a Patreon for it. And people are basically like, why is this not a series? And I'm like, because no one will give me any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make that happen then. That's I'm going to go put please. so many rats oh in jars. It's going to happen. Give me the sag yeah, card already. We're going to help manifest it for you. Yeah. No, I, have, I have all the candles lit. I hope I haven't lit anything on fire in the other room accidentally. Um, well, I was wondering, cause like, you know, I read, I think I reached out to you. It's been a couple months and I see your stuff come up on my for you page, but you know how TikTok is. It's like, you get things a little disjointed. Yeah. And so I was trying to do a deep dive today and then I saw that and I was like, holy shit, what is, no. what is going on? So I'm glad you explained <laughs> No, because people kept tagging it. And I now have like a bunch of people being like HBO, like make this a series like Netflix, you should pick this up because I've now like kind of bit off more than I can chew. And I've created this whole universe and I have a bunch of characters and I realized how to how many people they're not represented in a lot of like historical paranormal fiction. Like I've, I have characters that are people of color. I have characters that are physically just like visibly disabled. Um, and I didn't realize how much that meant to people, but you know, it's little things like that, that they're like, I wish I could see this on a TV sure. show, or I want this person to be this character, or, you know, I, I wish that I had this growing up. And if I can do that as one person, I don't understand how a large production company that has yeah. reach and a budget and production could not do it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of red tape that you have to go through, but like as a creative, sometimes you just have to do things yourself. I uh, look, I get it. You got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you never know who you will. Like I am firmly believe that yes, you need talent. Uh, but the biggest thing with trying to get success as a creative one, you just got to keep doing the thing, but yep. two is timing and then not letting any of those connections slip away. Cause you never know wh who that person is that will believe in you to help you get whatever that little bit of information or break or whatever. Um, but it is such a tricky thing to balance. Yeah, well, great. on that note, could you please tell our fans uh, how they can contact you? where they can follow you, how they can support you. You don't have to give them your cell phone number. That sounded weird. <laughs> your address. What's your blood type? Uh, you know, all the beats. Um, so you can find me at Glamour Possum on TikTok and YouTube. I have a Patreon that is also called Glamour Possum. Um, you can, oh God, I have so much stuff. Uh, if you Google the wonderful lady B, if you type it into TikTok, you can find the whole series. Uh, there's two seasons and I think watching the whole thing takes about an hour because they're all three minute episodes. I have a website that's glamourpossum.com where you can email me. I have a lot of stuff. But yeah, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, they're all the same thing. So if you look for the possum, you will find the possum. Possum is me. I'm the possum. Very glamorous <laughs> possum. You, your, your fashion is like, I mean, I love that kind of stuff too. Yeah, it's audience. If you like us and you like the kind of people we bring on, this is definitely, Lawrence, definitely somebody you will follow and you won't regret it because it's material that isn't just 
Like you, it's, it's more than just like a look and a dash. And I mean, like, or a look and a swipe. It's, it's stuff that, that you will actually enjoy, which is kind of a nice thing these days on social media. I feel like so much of it is just passing time and my eyes just going back and forth and being like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, you know? Okay. Last question. So you said the armchair is still in your possession. Mm-hmm. The last time you saw that guy was the, basically the breakup night or the yeah. night you all drew the line or he overstepped the line. Um, gotcha. So you haven't seen him again or anything to do with that chair. Well, could you send us a picture of the chair just so we can see it? Not right I now, but we send you a picture of the chair. Point, I'd love to see it. Yeah. That'd be there cool. might be laundry in it right now. So I have to make sure that it looks presentable. Um, no, it's just, it's just now it's another comfy chair that I sit in and I read and I always feel, I don't feel the presence of anyone there, but I always do feel very like safe in the chair. All right. Well, with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Kat. I'm Lauren Riley. That's a top woo on the podcast if I've ever heard it. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.